Did, can we get into action? I mean, we yeah. haven't even talked about some of the coolest action scenes Brad Thor has written. Oh, period. Wait, wait. But before we get into action, there's one more like quiet scene in, in Afghanistan. I think that can put a bow in it, and it's part of Brad's uh, five things. But this uh, chicken, chicken, chicken Street, Street. yeah, it, it's you know, he says it's literally two blocks, and so that that's where he goes and meets Babaji's contact. Right, that's how like this Rashid, whole thing yeah. sort of get gets kicked off. And again, it's like Brad at his best describing settings. Settings like I, I felt like I was there, and you know, like right. Then I looked at the pictures and I was like, he he captured that. Like he was he was there. He was able to you know that that's Brad the travel writer is good. You know, there's also a store that Flower and Flower was a cool character. He was on Babaji's team, even though he was a local Afghan who could just run any sort of errands for them. You know, he could he was also the he muscle, could be the yeah, driver. Yeah. yeah, but he goes to a shop just to pick up snacks and things. And there's one shop in Kabul selling like Doritos and Coke and chips and to Westerners, uh, yeah, yeah. All these western things and they're like we really think the owner of that store is an Iranian intelligence official and or officer and we think they just use this store that sells western goods as a front to really collect intel knowing the americans would Which come here there. to shop yeah and i was like again that's got to be one of those things that's real that makes so much sense that the iranians would run that shop or somebody who wants intel on us would run that shop pretending to be locals selling our goods just to get us in the front door yeah all right so action i guess again i guess you 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 said that the the hospital plot that sneaking in is more suspense than action. So I guess the first bit of action we really get is when, so when they're, they've already met with the, sh the sheriff of the one village and they're going to travel to the village where they think Masood is or was, mm -hmm. and they get spotted. Yep. The lead convoy gets taken out. They're in, the, they're the last one. The second one gets taken out and they have to start, yep. you know, get out, you know, start to avoid taking fire. And it's only when this, Canadian helicopter come, you know, again, the Canadians coming in to save the day. Um, that was a, it reminded me of the second, what uh, the path of the assassin when they're in that Canyon in the desert and right. the helicopter comes and saves the day and like takes out all, all, all the guys uh, that are there right with um, the villains, like, um, you know, crew. Very cool scene. It does seem like that. You're right. I could see the connection. Brad writes a pretty good uh, helicopter scene. Not gonna yeah. Lie. Though I think that's overshadowed by great the C-130. By the AC-130 Spectre gunship. Yeah. When that thing comes in, and again, I think it was Fontaine who calls his connections in the Canadian services, and he uses a fake call sign. He calls in that it's for a special operations guy who he know the Americans would jump at, you know, wanting to send in the cavalry for. He uses that guy's call sign to get immediate help. And these guys, I think they were, so they took the RPG to the convoy. And there was like a shootout. But then they retreat to this mud house. And we're like counting down the seconds. And I think that's when Gallagher gets shot. Is that the same no. scene? No, Gallagher gets, no, Gallagher's already shot. Gallagher gets shot when they're running in. So when they go to the, they finally get to the village where Masood is, there are still like Taliban around, right? Right. Even though they come in with the other Shura, they kind of like, and so it's, it's then that 
when they're taking fire, Gallagher gets shot, say, protecting the one boy. That's right, As- Asadala, who was, he, and he was the one originally with Julia. Right. Gotcha, and they were protecting him. That's right, that's right. It's in one of the villages that he's that he's protecting Asadala, and he gets shot because of that. And then, uh, then yeah, because then he, he brings back to, they hook up with the NATO... Yeah, and so then then he 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 drops off Gallagher with the Canadians, and they they rush him back to the hospital, and he like That's then right. the 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 last like Gallagher never goes to the camp, you know, that's up at this higher elevation where it's they only snatch him, Julia. Yeah, it's only him and Fontaine. Yeah, and that, that's, that's why right. this uh, translator who they've been using, who he has the connection, it's his his like cousin or his you know friend that is tasked doesn't like the Taliban because this the the village or area that they're at is actually used to be a part of his family. Masood took it over. He and, wants it back. But he also he respects Gallagher for saving, you know, even though this kid is a little shit who, you know, groped the American like but he still saved his life. And right. he respects that. So now he he wants to, he he doesn't even want the money. He's like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna I have this friend, we're gonna do this, we're gonna get her back. Right, we're going to pay it forward. Dude, I'm pretty sure the gunship gives them cover on the helicopter scene. Does it also? I, I thought that, that was just I thought that was just the Canadians, and then the gunship is the Americans at the end. Okay. I do know Fontaine calls in some sort of artillery from the air that clears the way for the chopper to extract them. Okay. I, f- I forget if it's the same team or not. Although I think it is the same team because I remember them saying they'd be on standby again. And then that's when in the final action sequence they call them in because they've already saved their bacon. They've already, okay. And the guys want to come back and do it again. Either way, anytime that that's done where you have a controller call in some sort of airstrike and use the IR strobes and whatnot, those scenes are just absolutely perfect. And you're right, that, that last one is once they have Julia – that's when they're taking shots and they're getting chased. Right. They So they, 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 they go down there, like down in this one lane, icy road, you know, it's up in the mountains. It's the wintertime, so it's cold. And Fontaine slams on the brakes, but, it, you know, the brakes sort of, because the ball tires, they, they can't go back. And then when they go back, they see that the cousins, the, the other vehicle was also taken out. And like, you yep. I had to re-listen to this scene a couple times because, like, there's so much going on, and it happens yeah. so fast. It's very propulsive. Oh, he rolls the frags, the frags right. underneath the two Taliban vehicles. Yes, yes. And then we get this interesting, like, I, I don't know if we've gotten this literary device from Brad before where Fontaine, like, calls on the ship or, you know, approves the attack, and then he says, like, everyone hold on, and then we immediately cut to... Masood and the Russian, and they're driving, and they realize what's happening. Like skies are about gun, to open. The skies are about to open, and then you know yep. they, they they don't see like this other car, and they crash. And one, you know, essentially, it was just a very interesting device, and in how Brad wrote, you know, sort of their downfall, and how the one like says about his son, and the other one sees Zwak for one last time. You know, obviously, it's like he's going to the afterlife or hell, right. whatever. Right, but. No yeah, it was it was him. it was cool. Yeah, yeah. 
And then another device that's done for suspense, which is kind of a trope, but it worked real well, was getting the cell phone signal, how they were between the valley and the mountain, and they couldn't call them in. And then it's at the end when they're pinned down and Masood is bearing down on them that they get the signal. And I think Julia passes the phone to Fontaine and is like connected. And boom, that's when they know they're saved. That's when the eagles come. You know, we made a Lord of the Rings reference in the past, but that's when the eagles swoop in and Sam and Frodo are lifted up out of Mount Doom. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, that, that end scene was really cool. Even though we're getting them slightly mixed up, Anytime there's a convoy, an RPG, you call in a gunship, you need a helicopter for extract, it's done so well. But So between both of these scenes where that happens, I kind of have them jumbled in my mind. Yeah, me when too. You're reading because them, they are very similar, but yeah. They're similar, right. When you're reading them, though, there's nothing like it. That is the exact, exact action that I want in a thriller. Definitely. But besides that, we don't get much other action in this novel. No, there isn't. There really isn't. I was but wondering. I, I didn't mind it. Is correct. that weird to say? No, it's perfect. I'm wondering what I'm going to give this on the scorecard. We might as well just get there pretty soon because I love it. Yeah, we're already an hour, so hour and 10 minutes into recording. So, <laughs> right. I loved it so much, but there's not a lot of action. But what we do get is so good. So I don't think I can give it the perfect 10, but it's dancing pretty close with it, the parts that yeah, we it's get. Like, I can't give it a 10, but I also don't want to ding it for like in the past we've dinged even we've dinged good right. action but just lack thereof so i guess i gotta split the difference and you know give it an eight or an eight I, I think it's a nine i, I agree nine. i i hear you on that i i, I think i have to go nine because i loved it so much but the yeah i can't even say it's a pacing issue though right because most books where we get a whole lot of action in the second half that's so good but it was slow to develop I don't care. I like the slow to develop in the beginning because we're meeting the team of Baba G and Flower and Hoyt, which, oh boy, we didn't even talk Hoyt. That guy's nuts. But like, yeah. I didn't mind the slow burn of meeting them. And I kind of didn't mind the slow burn of who's in what village and how do we get intel on that village and how do we get the villagers to respect us and know and welcome us in. And we have to sit down with them and have tea first. And I didn't mind all that intrigue. It's almost instead of like palace intrigue, it's desert intrigue. And I was here for it, even if no action was happening. I feel like, you know, the scenes you were calling more suspenseful, we got those sort of early on to like sort of wet, wet our beak, you know, give us a little bit of taste of what obviously seeing Scott in action. Yeah. So I guess you got to rope those into quote unquote action. So what does this mean for plot now? I think I got to ding plot a little bit here because because of how unconnected the two stories, like even if like they're both mm-hmm. like compelling, interesting on their own, mm-hmm. just having the single connection of Gallo of the two Gallows, like just it, it, it hung me up for some reason. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I should hang it up, but I, I just feel like the, 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 the B plot should be a, but you know, if, if the B plot was more connected, See, this is now I'm going to sort of kind of. It would have been a stretch. It would have been a stretch. It would have been more coincidental. It would have been weak sauce. And then I I wouldn't have liked it. So Correct. This book is a a bunch of conundrums. I'm with you. Uh, I I even put in my notes at one point, I was like, so when is Elise Campbell going to have to go to Afghanistan for some odd reason and interview Scott? You know, 
or like how are the two going to come together? I'm glad they didn't. But then again, should they have? No, there's no need for them to connect. Well, so. here's what ties it together, though. The final toast. When the boys yeah. are all in the hospital and they knew their hands have been tied by politicians and we know the reason things can go south for the operators on the ground is often because of the politicians. And this dude is in the White House like a clown. So the operators toasting to the United States of America watching this dude's resignation knowing that they're going to be free to operate again. That, that kind of gives it value. It's like what Elise Campbell was doing in the background to risk her career in the Secret Service ultimately became the reason these guys are going to get to do what they get to do and need to do. You know, she was almost yeah. the unsung hero in a way, in a way. Yeah, that coupled with like the I think the comment section early on with I think it's like the second chapter where Scott is like explaining you know, the president and what he's going to do, like to, to follow, have that and then followed up with this whole plot. And then at the very end, puts a nice connection to it. So yeah, I guess you've talked me into it. I, I got I'll, I'll go nine. A solid, that's a solid score for plot. I, I think I talked myself into it too. I think I was going to go eight, eight and a half, but yeah, I talked myself into it. And because of that, I'm giving this is just... like ignoring the B plot. The A plot alone has me a five out of five on it on, on buy-in. Like just absolutely. The, We've talked about you know the heightened realism, the attention to detail, the well-crafted research, the fact that it didn't have to be about you know some virus that's going to take over the world. It didn't have you know true believer or uh, not true believer devil's hand. It didn't didn't have to be about a nuke that gets dropped in a mountain yep. Memorial Day. Like it, there's low stakes. The stakes, low stakes literally are let's save this girl, and I care so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's so, all yeah, that's I, going on. Let's get this prisoner back. And I care deeply, and there's literally nothing more to the story than that. All right, what about the bad guys? The bad guys were really good. The Russian was maybe a little out of place, a little gimmicky, if you will. But I think he, he serves this idea, and I think, like, you know, Brad puts it through Scott's words or, or Scott's whatever, like, this idea of, like, yeah, the Russians left, but... They never really left. Like Correct. this guy is being propped up by the by the Russian military, Russian whatever, to come in, fund money, and they're able to, you know, sort of wipe their hands clean of it, you know, yeah. and 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 so insurgency, you know, is they're trying to sabotage, like we Cold sabotage War. them, exactly, yeah. exactly. In the 80s. And so they're you doing to believe, us in the twenty twenties or the two thousands what we did to them in the eighties. You could believe that someone like this actually exists. Like again, buy-in five. Like I, I believe. So um, you know, I, I go a solid four, four and a half. Yeah, I, I think so too. There's even I think someone in the Taliban who is like, really, Masood, we're going to work with this guy, this Russian guy, after what they did to us. And there's these like furtive glances, you know, at each other about why would we want to trust a Russian after you know right. everything that happened. So it's brought up. It's not ignored. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go four on the bad guys. And I liked how Masood was like you. You said, "quote unquote," lower, a lowercase v villain. Like I, I liked having that. You know, it, it's a different sort of story than having 
like a Halabi, you know, like this, this mastermind exactly. that is crafting, like, and he's going to show up in later novels, like, you know, like, yeah. he, he, you know, so I Instead like Instead of trying to make a Bin Laden. Yeah. Would you, would you consider Alden as a bad guy, a villain? Yeah. I'm going to say no, just because if the answer is yes, I'm going to bring down my score on the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's he, He's an empty suit, right? I, I almost feel yeah. like he was a smokescreen. There was nothing to him. He's resigned and he's gone. So this whole, like, what's going to happen after Rutledge? What's this new president like? I'm glad he's in, he's out, move on. You know, I, I didn't need him to be any more than what he was. Well, it's also like, it's it's not like he had, he had him actually kill somebody or you know like be you know commit a felony i mean he he did he was negligent he covered it up to to save his ass and he he should have been you know paid money to this obviously paid money to this family but like you know the stakes for him weren't were different than like what an actual you know if you had him be like a i think of like a frank uh, underwood from Mm. you know from house of cards you know like where he he actually kills a reporter and then he he kills Corey stoll's character you know like this guy's a murderer whereas like this guy yeah i mean i guess he played a hand you know with manslaughter but it's not not murder it's manslaughter right so mm. yeah I, I i hear you i think i'm gonna go go four on the bad guys which brings us to the good guys this is a real cast of characters we threw out so many awesome names and side characters we love so far I think I'm going five out of five. My asterisk would be this Hoyt dude could yeah, bring it down he, by we a shouldn't point. even talk about him. Just don't talk about him. But the comic relief is there. There were so many racial jokes about this guy being married to a Chinese woman. And I'm just like, why are we leaning into this so much? Like, it could be comic relief if you're into that kind of stuff. So I, I get you could see some chuckles in this. But why did he lean so hard into it? It makes me think there must have been a guy he was embedded with, a real operator in Afghanistan, who their running joke in the team was one of them married, you know, a native, like a foreigner from somewhere who knows, you know, maybe had a Thai wife or Cambodian wife or Filipino wife, whatever. And so Brad had to put that in here. Just it's some sort of running gag inside joke with the boys. I, I, it's gotta be. Yeah, it just felt it felt too out of place to not be. It's not like quintessential Brad to put that kind of stuff just willy nilly into a novel, you know. No. So it's yeah. I don't want to talk about him though. I want to talk about all the people I did like though. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Baba G. Baba G. You know Flower. the many of the you know. The Afghanistan, the Afghan, the Afghans who help uh, Scott out. Yes, the Zwak character. You know, like Zwak. I mean, ultimately, I I wouldn't call him a bad. The Shura, like so, the five out of five. Best like cast of character, like one of the best cast of characters we've gotten in a standalone. You know, you can almost call this like a standalone type novel because it has no, literally, no real connection to anything else we've done. So, but that's wouldn't you say that's a Thorism though? That each book is standalone, almost in the plot, mostly with these loose tendrils and connections. But it's really a standalone in terms of the good guys, the cast of good guys. I feel like that's what Brad is building here: is that he can, in a very short period of time build up a gang that you feel are Scott's besties that he's been with for forever, you know, and he does it authentically. 
and he just keeps doing it. I almost wouldn't like that in any other author, just coming up with one-off characters that's that the main character is going to operate with and then ditch them and move on by the next book. But it's done so well, and the dynamics between them are always so great. Like, Takedown, I liked it. Here, I really liked it. Uh, there's probably been a few more that we like, too. Although there's a good guy missing who is tangentially mentioned, and I thought there might be some closure that they were hinting at. Oh, I so guess this it doesn't is, yeah. happen until next book. Tracy. This is where I, I think, like, we, we, we should talk about it because we haven't brought it up since. But, yeah, this almost feels like a bottle book, and I feel like Brad has done this a couple times now. Like, I think Rising Tiger was a little bit like a bottle book. It, it did have the whole troll subplot, you know, in like the attack on him and, and his wife. Where's the troll here? Yeah, this, that's the other thing. Where's the troll? But yeah, this Tracy. And you could tell, you know, that was a question that we brought up at the end of the last book in the sense like how deeply Scott's in love with Tracy and their future. But we know as since we've already read all the novels, especially we, we just read Rising Tiger, we know that, that Scott's onto someone else. And we know the whole Laura, like, um, I want to say Laura, but I, I feel like Armand, Armand calls her Laura. I think he says Lara, yeah. You know, in that whole subplot and during Spymaster. So we we, we got to be like, it's kind of like the uh, um, conundrum we had with, oh, who's the chick in uh, Killshot? Oh, Mitch's girl from Killshot. Yeah. Oh, What's her name? Um, Helga? Oh, Jesus. Helga. Oh, my God. Uh, Olmeyer is the last name. Greta. Greta Olmeyer. Greta. Yeah, you know, it's like. We know he's not with her anymore, so where right. does she go? I mean, I think ultimately we are going to get to that, and I think this novel was sort of set laying the seeds for how they're going to break up. You know, the obviously headaches. they have this relationship, the headaches, and this this uh, sort of point of contention in the sense that Scott wants to have a lot of kids. And it's really sad to know that, you know, Brad's writing this in, what, his ninth novel, and we've just read 21 last year, and Scott still doesn't have any kids. Yeah. And that this is that she's never gonna have kids. She doesn't want to have kids. She just can't deal with it. And so I think this is a way. I, I guess you know authors get tired of writing characters, and this is how Brad is choosing to sort of phase her out. Yeah. So that's interesting. I guess both things come up. I had really thought when the headaches were coming on so strong that it was just going to be that she dies from that. But then Scott would still have feelings or be dealing with that. So they must just break up over the difference of opinion on a family. I think it's going to be similar to to Meg. Like, I think it's going to be very similar to Meg and these, you know, Cassidy, a little bit yeah. more deeper than, than Meg Cassidy. Like the sense they that just realize they can't they're they're incompatible, not because they might not because they don't love each other, but they're incompatible in their desires uh, or their priorities and work. Because Tracy's also much younger than Scott, right? Like Scott. She's younger, yeah. See, when they were talking so heavily about the headaches, I was thinking it was going to be more like she dies. She dies, and I don't remember. I really don't. Yeah, I th I think in the next book we're gonna we're gonna get some some clarity on this pretty quickly. Clarity and closure. Yeah. So the troll is actually mentioned, by the way, kind he of is? in a tangential way. Well, not exactly, but. In the beginning, like most books do, they talk about how the president shut down the Apex Project. Oh, yeah. I was going to bring this up, and, too. Yeah, yeah, And so the off the OIAA or whatever it was that Gary Lawler runs to have the Apex Project where Scott can do what Scott needs to do, 
this president is shutting that down, closing that down. So that's, again, another reason why Scott harbors some resentment against him. So seeing him resign, what the Secret Service agent was doing is important to the plot in the end because, you know, it it's gonna, might allow Scott some more cover. And Gary, really, Gary Lawler, to do what he does best. But it, there's a line that says, ever since that happened with the presidential transition, Scott was planning to go into a private intelligence gathering firm. Yeah, he, he's already gotten this job that he'll, he's going to start in like six months. That's got to be the troll, right? So that, No, I think that's the beginning of the Carlin group. Huh. Yeah, we got to see how all this comes together. But when I read that hint, you think Reed Carlton comes in that soon? So what's the next novel? So Foreign Influence. So, And then Full Black. Full Black, he's definitely in the Carlton group. I think Foreign Influence right. is where we first get a glimpse of that's Reed Carlton. One. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think then that's we, what we, he was hinting at. We have the Athena Project sort of in between Foreign Influence and Full Black. And we know that Scott's already working for the Carlton group in Full Black and during the Athena Project. So That's it. Next, oh, next one's a big one then. Yeah. Next book is a hinge moment. Yeah, it's a, opening stuff. up the new the new chapter of you know what's what's going to be uh, you know Scott's life. All right, back to the scorecard though. We got to wrap things up with the setting and everybody's favorite judge a cover by the book. So let's round out the setting. You said you loved Afghanistan. You felt like it was a character in the book. I agree. Are you going to five? I I can't give it anything less than a five, right? I have to, right? I have to. I was there. I was with Brad riding on these Humvees and everything. Yeah, so we we didn't even do the traveling heavy because he doesn't he doesn't go. I mean, he's in Afghanistan. He goes a lot of places in Afghanistan, right? So he yeah. goes from Kabul to Jalalabad to various different villages around both of them, and he's in DC uh, in the very beginning. I guess you know we get what's her name. Elise Campbell Go, goes from going DC to New, to New York to, you know, she's from Virginia beach, whatever. But yeah, this, I, and I like that this book was very contained, but we've gotten some contained books before, but we felt that the setting was a little bit lacking in the sense that it just yeah. wasn't, pre- it was almost like it's just a place card. Whereas this felt, like I said, Afghanistan felt like a character in this novel and I, I enjoyed that. So I got to give it a five. Yeah. Um, 100% with you, which is funny because we're not traveling heavy. We're traveling quite light, and I, I'm here for it. It's You know, we said something with Jack Carr, which is sometimes you swing for the fences and you do something different that really is maybe outside of your writing wheelhouse or that you haven't done in the rest of your novels, and sometimes it just works. It works right here, staying in one place, digging deep into that one country, sitting and stewing and seeing the different perspectives from this one area really worked. So, yep, five out of five there. We're headed for some high scores here. I know. This 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 novel is quickly rising up the ranks. It, it's rising up the ranks. And, dude, I think one thing that's going to help that is the covers. Oh, see, that's that's where I'm going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm going to diverge from you. Really? Okay, tell me why. Judge, judge this cover by the book. So the one cover that I really like is cover C. Which is interesting yes, because absolutely. You know, normally cover C is the one we don't like, but you know we get some. Wait, what, what do you know where this gate is? I don't, but it's really, really cool looking. Oh, I, I was is it just, the one that's on the flag on the seal there? No, doesn't have those that like arch thingy. But what is that seal? So that's the seal that's on the flag, the Afghan flag. 
Oh, okay. So I, I was assuming this was either a gate in Kabul or in Jalalabad somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, in country. And I like that. You know, I, I like when the cover directly relates to the novel. So I really like that. I've all, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of this newer, or we haven't at least gotten to the ones I don't like of this newer run of, of paperbacks. But the original cover, it's just, it's so generic to me, dude. And okay, okay. Also, like, I didn't like the title until you told me what the author's note was. And I guess that's my fault for re- listening to the audiobook. And I guess it's the audiobook's fault for not putting that little author snippet. But, like, I didn't understand this idea of, like, who, like, I guess the operators are supposed to be the apostles. That's, that's what he said. But, right. The true believers. Yeah. And this, I don't know, it's a stone. The stone. Yeah, the marble doesn't fit. With. You know, that's that's our seal. It's got a bullet in it. It's just, it, that could be on any novel. That, to me, it's just, it's so generic. Mm. You know what? I'm kind of seeing it now. I thought cover A looked cool because I, I have the hardback and holding it, it's, it's like a really cool feel. It does look The marble look doesn't cool. make any sense. It does look cool. But this would be better on a novel that's set in D.C. or D.C., set- yeah. You know, in the United States. You're right. Now, if that was, you know, if that was the seal from cover C with a bullet in it, that'd be Agreed. interesting. That'd be really cool. And then the same happens with cover B. This reads to me, screams like There's Mission Impossible. It, it screams yeah. Mission Impossible cover to me yeah. for some reason. I like the color scheme, again, but it's just a yeah. gun. Like, what... It, I don't know. They're both cool covers, but they could be on any single one of Brad's novels. A and B are designed rather well, but they don't have much to do with the story, and they're generic. I I like them for the design at first, but I'm gonna agree with you. They're just they don't relate enough to the story. And we got we judge the cover by the book, and they don't have much at all to do with the book. Ugh. All right, well. Cover C makes up for it, though, because I think that's my favorite of this line. You know, the line where they're re-releasing, I think, is paperbacks with the symbol in the middle and some sort of bright color uh, as your background. So I think the orange and the red hues are evoking the desert, the hot sun, and the seal in the middle with this gate at the bottom or some sort of, you know, maybe it's a mosque. I think it screams Afghanistan. It screams where Scott's going. I can almost see him standing in that exact spot, you know, with the turban doing his Afghan walk, trying to fit in. The cover C is fantastically done. One of my favorites of all time, I will say. But A, B, D, E, and F, kind of dumb. F gets the helicopters. Those are cool. F, it would yeah, be cool if it, yeah. if it had a, a C-130 gunship. gunship on there. If it had the gunship, yep, that would have been nice. Now, the cover E looks like the plot to White House Down. I guess it's got a kidnapped girl there and, you know, uh, an airplane well, and the White House. Mm. But it, it looks more DC-centric to me. Um, yeah. And then again, cover D, we get a running man with an airplane next to the, like, we weren't, we were never even at the Capitol building. Like, come no, on, it guys. Make sense. Again, that cover could be on. Yeah. A million Brad Thor, not a million, but like, you know, 10 different Brad Thor, 10 different Mitch Rapp, you know, novels. Cover D is is one of those. 
I just wrote my first novel. I'm going to publish it on like Kindle Unlimited, hoping to make a couple pennies off it. Right. No right. one knows who I am. I just bought a cover online, slap it on there. It looks good. Except it doesn't even look good. I walked that back. Yeah. So, mm, okay. Unfortunately, you're right. When I take these covers as a whole, I've got to ding it. If cover C wasn't as good as it was, I might go as low as a two. I think because I love cover C so much, I'm going three and a half. Oh, three and a half. All right. I'm going two and a half. I can't. That Okay. Okay. I think you're right. Yeah. I love cover C. I, I really like it. No, I, I really do. And I think that's, I, I probably would give it a one if it didn't have cover C. I probably would. Yeah. 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 I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Cover C is awesome. It's kind of like your shirt right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're wearing that bright orange. <laughs> Tennessee, that, uh, baby. Tennessee. Yeah, there it yeah. is. Okay. I so know you like Tennessee. Just... What? Oh, okay. That's where she went and got her PhD. So I have a couple of Tennessee oh, okay. things. The Furmans are a family of doctors. Yeah, she's. I have that. I have some Queens College stuff for when she did her postdoc. I have Cornell stuff, Catholic stuff. Woof! Got some education in that family over there. <laughs> oh, I, all all of your kids have PhDs already. Side note, you know, both me and Mike. I'm sure we've said this on the pod a couple times. But me and Mike, we met at Catholic University. And I I have a Catholic sweatshirt that I love, and I, I wear it, like, a lot. So I wore it down when I was working at the Eagle Stadium. And I've never gotten, you know, anyone. When I wear Cornell stuff, I've gotten people to, you know, say, oh, Cornell, did you go there? Never gotten anyone to say anything about Catholic University. And then the same day, same game, two people shouted out, like, the one guy was like, go Cardinals. I had to be like, I didn't even know he was talking to me. And I was like, oh, Cardinals, right. That's our mascot. <laughs> Dude, Catholic is full of Philly people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all right outside Philly The Catholic Philly University people. of Philadelphia in Washington, D.C. <laughs> right outside Philadelphia, yeah. Everyone was like, hey, where are you from? from? Right outside Philadelphia. You could be like... In North Jersey, um, from right outside Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, dude, a hundred percent. Everybody's right outside Philadelphia. It's like where you're from, Allentown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's not right outside Philadelphia. Yeah, I live in middle middle Pennsylvania. Yeah, everyone from like Wilkes-Barre is like, oh yeah, I'm from you know just a little outside of Philly. <laughs> Except Scranton people. I, I should take that back. Scranton people. people they'll say, they'll Scranton say Scranton. endlessly, but it's only because of the office. <laughs> <laughs> even some harrisburg people they'd be like yeah you know just outside of philly yeah i don't think people would say harrisburg they'd say like yeah no. but like because they're only an hour outside so oh that's good that's good all right well what does that bring the total to for you my friend because this these numbers are climbing oh we didn't you didn't do the free space you didn't do free space oh we didn't do free space all right all right all right got distracted here talking like? about how you know patrick got a perfect score on the sats at the age of seven not yet not yet not yet what's your free space mike so i really liked everything in the villages and how the backdrop of it all is this code of pashtun valley and the fact that that was part of brad's blog on the five fast facts i think shows it means that a was lot cool. to him. yeah and so yeah as he describes let's find it down here Oh, and if you've seen, what was the movie about Marcus Luttrell and how he was uh, protected? 
or one of these movies where he was taken in and and protected by these villagers uh, and housed. So as Brad writes on the website, in The Apostle, we, we learn that the traditional Pashtun code of honor explicitly dictates every aspect of their lives. One of the most important aspects of this unwritten code is the treatment of guests. Hospitality is a point of pride and honor among the Pashtun, Afghanistan's largest ethnic group. The principles of this code of conduct, including justice, forgiveness, bravery, and loyalty, are practiced by Pashtun around the world. I thought it was super cool to include that, have it as a backdrop, and really a theme running through everything about this novel. In fact, it made its way into my limerick. Ooh, give it to me. For Afghans, there's a code called Pashtun Vali. To mistreat a guest, t'would be quite the folly. Adventures abound while rolling around with Hoyt, Babaji, and Fontaine, how jolly. Boom, boom. That's good. All right, give me your free space here. So I, I think I got to go with Brad's research. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it sings through the entire novel. And even these like one-off things where they're talking about, you know, he, he references the plot of Lone Survivor. And not well. Obviously, that's a real event. You know, he brings that up, where you can't like let, you know, the plot of that is like these goat herds find these Navy SEALs and they let they let them go because they don't think that they pose a risk. But in fact, they they run and tell the Taliban. And next thing you know, there's, I think, four of the of the five Navy SEALs along with like the sixteen people that come to save them all all perish, and there's only one. Um, uh, Navy SEAL that, that survives. Um, That's the movie I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh, there's also, you know, just you could tell that he cared about this. And, you know, just the little snippets that he puts throughout, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. Absolutely. Th- this book is so good. And when you're reading it, you know that must be the case. And then when you find an article or realize that Brad was embedded with this team and spent time in Afghanistan, you're like, it it just makes sense. All the pieces fall into place and come together. There was one other thing that I thought was interesting. You know, he says to Aiden Osbeck when I guess they're going somewhere and he's like, no one's allowed to search the the car. Like, they're, they're going into like some CIA right. thing. Like no one's allowed to search well, the car. Well, that's when they're turning in Mustafa Khan. Yeah. Turning him over to the CIA. And that just, have you seen uh, Zero Dark Thirty? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and like the scene where they're yeah, they, oh, yeah. that's what that gets them in trouble. And I thought that was interesting how he put that in in, yep. in, a, in the novel and how by breaking protocol and not searching that one car got like all those CIA people killed at that one facility. And Osbeck is like, "This is the CIA. You're trying to come into Bagram. Like you, you're gonna get stopped, Scott." And Scott's like, "Okay, I'll turn around. You don't get Mustafa Khan." And Osbeck gives in and goes, "Fine, we'll clear you." That's a big risk, just like that right. woman was taken in Zero Dark Thirty to let that car through because she didn't want to spook him. Yeah, no. I think I think though we know Osbeck from the book before, right? Right, but it was just it was interesting to me, like reading that and then thinking back to you know events in the past that actually happened. Yeah. So, all right, what's my score? What, what's your score? Forty six point five. I think I got a forty six point five. Let me see. One, two, three. Four and a half. I got four and a half. Is that 45.5? Is that what you had? What'd you have? I had a 44.5. 44.5. Yeah. 
44.5. I clock in at a 45.5. Oh, good score. Good I, score, I think man. So far, that's the highest rated book that we have. Although the first two we didn't use the scorecard on. We hadn't created it yet with Lions and Path. So this is up there. This is up there, Chris. You're still going to say you don't think it's going to be in your top five at the end of this whole now, shindig? Now that we, now that we like talked talked about it, it's definitely in my top five for like, right now. I think so, too. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see if it stays in stay it. There. But Yeah, you think so? I think it will for me. I really do. I guess, should we? can we say we reserve the right to eat whatever our scorecards say, like we reserved the right to at the end. We we will rank them the way our scorecards do, but also like I, we reserve the right to move them up and down for how we feel. No, I a hundred percent thinks that think that's the case. Of but these are our scores in the moment, but doesn't have to our final rankings at the end of this pod this whole journey of a podcast. I don't think have to go directly by the scores. We could rank them still on this general feel or vibe, you know, like right. a book could move up because of a vibe or a book can move down because of a vibe right. and they age differently. We saw that with the yeah. Rap series. You might remember a book fondly, you know, five books from now and it moves up a little bit because of how you remember it. And there might be another one you liked in the moment, but it doesn't age well and that it doesn't stick or something later on in the series contradicts it and it loses some of its cred. So I think we reserve that right. Or about how we, th- like, what was the one we were just reading, how we read it? Oh, it was, um... Path. Yeah, um, how, what what was the First Commandment? Um, elevated First Commandment path. made Path of the Assassin a lot better because of, what was that guy's name? Yeah, how, how that, that story was connected. Oh, Ari Schoen comes back. Yeah, the yeah, story yeah. was connected by Ari Schoen. Exactly, exactly. And we really unpacked the ending of Path of the Assassin, but it took, like, what, four more books before the payoff was there. Right, so our scorecard at the, we go back and well, we don't have one for that one. But if we were to do that, that would be a very low score, solely on that book. But you know, so I'm still not elevated. Path is still probably at, at the at the moment. It's it's the second behind Blowbacks. Obviously, my least favorite novel so far. Yeah, Blowback is dumpster diving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe we should when we hit the halfway mark, we should do a little, you know, brief little pod. Talking about um, things we've liked from the first half of, of the Brad Thor series. Yeah, no, I definitely think we do uh kind of slow down recap reflection episode. So the halfway point would be which book? If the new one coming out is going to be 22 Two? or 23? 22, I think, right? The new one coming out, you're right, is going to be 22. So what's the 11th book? So this is the eighth, but we've actually done nine because we jumped ahead. That's true. That's true. So maybe after 10. So, yeah, we have two more. Which means we're going to pause after full black, which I think well, foreign influence and full black might be. Do we do foreign influence, do the, apo- Athena. Do the Athena, and then, and then pause before we get full black? Because I know we both like full black. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see. Maybe because we've already scheduled it out, we go through full black, then we do a reflection on books one through 10 plus Athena. Yeah, 10 plus Athena. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sounds good to me. Cool. Dude, good pod, man. Great pod, great book, great research by Brad. All right. So next time when you hear from us, we're going to be over on our... When you hear from us on this feed, we will be doing Foreign Influence. Excited about that one. And then, but the next 
pod we release will be over on our No Limits podcast. We'll, we'll be doing our first, uh, I guess, one-off book or you know, non-serialized book by Connor Sullivan, and that's Sleeping Bear. You've already read this one, right, Mike? I read it. It's really good, and we want to do that one this month because I think it's next month that his second book comes out. And he's also going to Russia, back to Russia in his second book, I hear. So, yeah, I think we got a good one-two punch in Connor Sullivan with his debut book that came out last year and then his next one coming out this March. I can't wait to read that. Wolf Trap is his second one. Wolf Trap. Right, 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 right. All right, we need to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Ben, Matt, Don, Peggy, Ray, Bridget, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us all three seasons on Apple Podcast as well as Spotify. You can find us online at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at thrillerpodcast. And as always, to the United States of America. I love how Armand Schultz read that line. Yeah. The final line of the book. Loved it. The one I was thinking of was you could do, and as always, TIA. TIA. This is Afghanistan. Yeah. T-I-A. That's a good one. You know he picked that up over there. He heard that from Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. 